we've given the example many times before. You know, my wife brought me a bottle of water, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to assume that it's exactly what's on the label. Let me see. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. It clicked. And then it's just water. She didn't add anything to it, or take anything away from it. That it's exactly what the label says: 100% natural Florida spring water. Mmm. Find Zephyr Hills at your local grocery store. No. Um, I should get a commission on that. I'm going to assume that she's not trying to kill me and that she hasn't put anything in there. Because, you know, she could have put a little bit of poison in there. Maybe just a pinch. And you know what? It would still look like water. And still have that nice almond flavor. Oh, no, that's, that's that's different. No, it still had that same, nice, same flavor, right? But the difference is it wouldn't be water anymore. What would it be? Poison. And not just that little bit that she put in there, but the entire thing would become poison. Same thing is with the gospel. We even change just a little bit and start using that word apple. We start to poison the word of God. And as Christians, the world does enough of that. As Christians, we can't do that. We need to be on board and faithful and accurate when we talk about the Bible. Here's one I see a lot. If God brings you to it, he'll see you through it. Anybody ever used that or heard that? Anybody know where that's at in the Bible? Nowhere in the Bible. It sounds nice, right? And I understand the feelings behind it. Because it sounds like a good thing. The problem is, it's not in the Bible anywhere. And it is partially true. And we'll kind of get into that truth. And there is a grain of truth, although there's not a scripture about this. There's a grain of truth to this. Um, but it's not in the Bible. And we need to be careful about teaching things, even good things, even helpful things. This isn't particularly helpful. But even things that seem helpful, even things for the right reason, we need to be careful because our good intentions can lead to problems. I mean, people that do this, they're, they're not trying to be manipulative. They're not trying to hurt the Word of God. They're not even trying to hurt the person they're saying it to. They're actually trying to help. But bad theology never helps anybody. What's the problem? It causes people to doubt God. That's the short answer. It causes people to doubt God because what happens when the problems don't go away? What happens when things don't get better? What happens when, when things get worse? When God brought you to this cancer, he'll see you through it. The theology doesn't back up that statement. Matter of fact, the Bible is full of people that God brought them to things. Because, see, it implants in our minds. When, when we hear God will see us through it, we are looking for an earthly remedy. God brought me to cancer. God's going to cure me of cancer. Right? That's what that statement means. How many people in here have had cancer or know people that had cancer? And God didn't take it away. Right? How many people know, have family members, people they love that, that, that God took them to cancer but didn't take them away from cancer? You see how it can cause people to doubt? Well, how can I love a God that would take my, my, my family member to cancer but then not, not see them through that? See, because our minds go for an earthly 
solution for these things. And we, there's so much bad theology with this statement. There's so much that we ignore with this statement. The main thing that we ignore with this statement, the first thing we ignore with this statement, is that um, most of our problems, it's not God taking us to something. It's us taking us to something. Most of our cancers are caused by our lifestyles and our choices. Most of our problems with money are caused by our lifestyle and our choices. Most of the problems that we have in our lives, now not all of them, we live in a sin-filled world, and sometimes just living in a sin-filled world, bad things are going to happen to you. That's the, a fact of reality. Again, that's not God bringing you to it. That's this sinful world bringing you to it. So we attribute too much evil to God when we say, if God brings you to it. Now, does that mean God's not sovereign? No, of course not. God is completely sovereign. He is so sovereign that he allows us to make choices within his sovereignty. This is hard for people to understand. There are people out there, there are groups out there that think that every decision we make is because God made us make that decision. That's not the way it works. We talked about that a little bit last week. You got different paths. You're standing at different crossroads. You get to make different choices. You see, the reason why back in the beginning, why God put that apple... <laughs> I was glad somebody laughed. When God put that fruit, it told them not to touch it because the only way that they could be obedient, the only way that they could truly love him is to have an option not to. If they could never be disobedient to God, if that wasn't a choice, then they're not being obedient. They're just doing the only thing they could possibly do. God gives us choices every day. And those choices aren't just between right and wrong. Those choices aren't just between, you know, is this, you know, we, we make our, our pros and we make our cons and which ones would be the best and the, all these different things. Our choices are, a, are an opportunity for us to tell God whether or not we love him or not, whether or not we're obedient or not. And too often our choices, we make these choices, and instead of, a, and then we blame God for bringing it to us when it's not God that brings us to these things, it's our bad Choices. He said the Bible's full of these examples. What's Stephen? Who knows who Stephen was? Who was Stephen in the Bible? One of the first two what? Yeah, but what was his position? He had a position in the church. Deacon. He was one of the first two deacons. And as a good deacon, he's proclaiming the word of God. And as, the, as he's proclaiming the word of God, he was told to stop, and he didn't stop, he ended up being killed. They beat him to death with stones. Did God see him through it? Was there an earthly remedy? He was being obedient. So you could say God did bring him to that. Did God give him an earthly remedy? No, he had him killed. What about John the Baptist? We know John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness, he preceded, he's Jesus' cousin, preceded him by about six months. He's out there proclaiming when he sees Jesus, he's got his followers, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. He was a right man, he was a good man, he was a faithful proclaimer of the gospel. And God rewarded him by having his head cut off. Did God see him through it? 
Was there an earthly remedy? I mean, by all by all measures, you know, I know there's no none of us are good. But by all measures, you know, if you're if you're ranking people from evil and good, Stephen and John the Baptist are both up there. They were faithful in the face of adversity. There was no sugarcoating. There was no political correctness. They just preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing it was going to cost them their life. So this isn't a, a biblical thing to say God will always see you through things. What is true about this, because there is some truth to this, if you're a child of God, he will see you through all your earthly problems. They may not have an earthly resolution, but they'll have a heavenly resolution. You see, because he did bring Stephen through it. He did bring John the Baptist through it. Because they closed their eyes here, being murdered by man, to open them up in paradise. The Bible tells us in Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've done what the Bible tells you to do, then there will be a resolution to your problems. God will see you through every problem of this world. But understand, it may not have an earthly resolution, but if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it will have an earthly res- or a heavenly resolution. Revelation chapter 10, 13 tells us that. For who? Whosoever. Who is a whosoever? Uh, the white people? The elect people? The, the good people? It's actually all those people, but it's also everybody else that's not included in those categories. Everybody. Whosoever. Anybody of any color, any stature, any place in the world has the ability to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the whosoever. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel isn't that it's just for these people. Or it's just for these people. The good news of the gospel is it's for whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. So what it says, is it? Shall be saved. I love that verb tense because it implies the fact that by the time we're done with the statement that it's already taken place. In other words, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, before you even get to that part of the sentence where it says shall be saved, it's already happened. It implies something that happened at the beginning of the sentence. Not might be, not could be, not will be one day, shall be saved. It's an immediate response to us calling out to the name of the Lord. The other side of that is in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. We haven't gotten this far in a Revelation study, but we will. We'll talk a lot about this. Revelation 20, 15 says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, sadly, there's a resolution the other way, too, but it's not a positive resolution. It's not God seeing us through it. It's us making that choice that goes against his will again. Because the lake of fire wasn't created for you. The lake of fire wasn't created for any human beings. The lake of fire and hell were not created for for mankind. It was created for Lucifer, Satan, and his fallen angels. But when we die, 
If we have not called upon the name of the Lord, if we have not accepted Jesus Christ as, as our Savior, we stand as, as a people without a, a, without a nation, without a place to call home. Because this world's going to be wiped away. And we can't enter into heaven. And so we're standing with no place else to go. And the only option left is hell. The lake of fire eventually. And that's what it's talking about in Revelation 20.15. All those people who rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's going to be some evil people in there. And there's going to be some people by our standards that are pretty good people. There will be people in there that have lived their lives for humanity, but rejected Jesus Christ. There will be people in there that rejected Jesus Christ and lived their lives against humanity. Some of the worst people and some of the best people will be included in those that are cast in the lake of fire. Because it's not about what we do or what we did or what we're going to do. It's about calling upon the name of the Lord. That's what separates us. And it's important that that be our message. And that be our message clearly. And we step away from all these errors that the world is trying to throw out in, in the world. Because all these things, the only reason why the world thinks it's a whale, the only reason why the world thinks that, that Eve ate an apple, the only reason why the world says if God see, see you through it, to it, he'll see you through it, the only reason why these things are in existence today are to create confusion. It doesn't take much confusion to cause somebody to start to doubt whether or not God really loves them. Our job as Christians is to make sure that the world is not confused. To simply tell them, as somebody simply told us, that Jesus loves them. That the Father loves them. That the Father loves him so much he was willing to send his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. You see, our choices are we continue in that death, not just that physical death, but that, that death, that separation from God that we saw back in the Garden of Eden. We continue with that. Or we become alive. And I love the way everything in, in God's word, you know, the world teaches us the, the, you know, the yin and yang principles and the light and dark principles and, and all these things that, you know, you'll see most of these false religions have a, a view of evil, that evil is just the other side of good, like two sides of a coin, or that they need to be kept in balance, and that too much evil or too much good is actually a bad thing. But we look at God, there's, there's no such thing as a balance between good and evil. Satan only offers death. And you'd think if, if things were even and balanced, God would just offer life. But he doesn't just offer life. What does he offer? Everlasting life. And it's not just everlasting life in our current condition. It's everlasting life in a place where there is no tears. There is no heartache. There is no pain. See, what God offers isn't just the opposite of death. It's something entirely um, beyond the concept of death and beyond the concept of life. God offers us something that is, is beyond anything that we can even comprehend on this earth. 
our minds, even the, the greatest minds of this earth throughout history, haven't been able to fully comprehend what exactly is eternity, much less what exactly is eternity with God. And yet that's what he promises us. Something so great that it's even beyond our comprehension. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to a few things. One thing I want to do when I get to heaven is I want to open up my eyes and see Jesus Christ. I want to see people that have gone on before me and get to reconnect with them, talk to them, those that have had a, a, a place in my, my uh, decisions that I've made here on the earth to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to see them. And then I want to see the, the fruit. I want to see the treasures that I've laid up in heaven. Not the, the gold and the silver. I want to see the souls that I told about Jesus Christ. Now, that may sound a little prideful, and I don't mean it that way. I just think that that's going to be a great day. To have somebody come up to you in heaven and say, I'm here because you told me. And not just me, but here's the person that I told. And here's the person that I told. As Christians, it's not just enough to know about the errors of the Bible and not fall into the traps, but, but we need to be proclaiming the truth of the Bible at every opportunity. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? When was the last time you told somebody that Jesus loves them? When was the last time you told somebody that the Father sent his son so that, to pay for your sins so that you don't have to? These need to be part of our conversation. These need to be things that roll off our tongues just as, as easily as, you know, who, who makes the best truck? Or what's the best grocery store? Or which restaurant has the best wings? We're quick to talk about those things. Those things don't really matter. You have the secrets of eternal life and the accuracy of the Bible that we need to be sharing them.